This is Robert Fleming, a partner in the Tucson, Arizona estate planning and elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. I'm here with my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, to talk about uh, a topic that we've actually touched on a little bit before. Elizabeth, welcome back to, to talk about estate planning for married couples and how to make the estate plan irrevocable. Wow, this is a fruitful and confusing topic for both attorneys and our clientele who come in. I will tell you time and time again, after the death of one spouse, we may see the surviving spouse in our, offer, in our office confused and often frustrated that there may be restrictions on how he or she can use the funds in his or her trust. So to catch people up, we did a session earlier on couples who want to make their, their trust irrevocable or their estate plan irrevocable on the first death. We did a session on how we might accomplish that. And now what we're gonna talk about is the aftermath, as you suggest, what happens when one of the spouses has died and the surviving spouse is feeling unnecessarily constrained by the plan that the couple made. Uh, now that sounds like what we're going to do is explain to people how to undo what they did in good faith with their their spouse before the spouse's death. Is, is that what we're talking about? No, not, that's not the case at all, Robert. What I'd like to focus on here is what do the terms of the trust say and what is the goal and intent of the people that established the trust upon the death of the first spouse? If the goal and intent was to protect the surviving spouse and allow for distribution of income and principal for the benefit of the survivor, that's completely a different question than a division of the estate in such a way that limits the survivor's access to cash. And one of the very first questions that we ask people when they come into our office to talk about this kind of thing is, please bring us all of the copies that you have of your trust, any amendments or restatements, Please come in prepared to talk about an inventory of assets inside the trust. What does the trust actually own? Sometimes what happens is a surviving spouse will come in thinking that an asset is in the trust when actually the trust doesn't own that asset. So it's a completely different ballgame when we talk about distributions. People lead their lives, fortunately or unfortunately, without paying particular attention to the things their lawyers tell them from time to time. So I know one of the scenarios that we see often is that an asset used to belong to a trust. The house was sold, the CD matured, the, the brokerage account was moved to a new broker, and the title is no longer in the trust's name. So even people who are pretty sure all their assets, assets are in the trust's name, we want to see. Uh, we want to see an actual statement or a, a deed or whatever uh, in order to confirm that, to make sure that what they believe turns out to be true. And we're going to ask some basic questions too about who is the trustee? Is the surviving spouse still the trustee of this trust? Is there now a co-trustee acting with the surviving spouse? Or is there a neutral independent fiduciary that may be serving as trustee for the surviving spouse? Another question is who are the remainder beneficiaries? So when I ask clients, do you get along with your stepkids or do you and your children see each other and get along? That question is really to the heart of what can we try and do to make sure that the trust is A, working as it should, and B, achieve any goals that we have to clarify how the trust can be improved to benefit 
the surviving spouse. One thing that spouses, surviving spouses often fail to realize is that at least under Arizona law, if the trust became irrevocable, you're supposed to have started sending annual notices to the, the remainder beneficiaries of the trust. So have you been keeping your stepkids or your kids or both the kids and stepkids apprised of what's going on in the trust, uh, what assets you have, what investments you've made? As you say, we need to see those records and we need a rough accounting at least of the assets in the trust's name. Well, let's assume that we get past all that and it seems appropriate to modify the trust. Are there any choices to change an irrevocable trust? Well, in Arizona, we have passed a law that allows for an irrevocable trust to be decanted. And we also sometimes talk about opportunities to modify or reform a trust. So yes, Robert, there are ways in Arizona to change an irrevocable trust. In order to answer the question about whether we should or what can be done to make the change, though, we have to have the whole scope of the conversation be a broad one so that we're able to make recommendations that will actually achieve the goals, the terms of the trust as written. I think that today we probably don't want to try to explain the difference between reform, modify, decant, uh, or empty the trust, uh, which is sometimes also a choice. Um, but, uh, but just understand, folks, that there are a number of options for uh, changing a trust's terms even after it becomes irrevocable, options that didn't exist a couple of decades ago and are now in widespread use and, and widely available in Arizona, at least, as well as in some other states as well. So uh, what's, the, what's the bottom line here? Can we fix, modify, change any trust that somebody brings to us, Elizabeth? It depends. It depends on the terms of the trust, who we're working with, and what the goals are. And I encourage people to come in and, and give us an, a chance to have a discussion. I let people know that this is really a process. So anybody who comes into my office and wants to make changes on the same day that they come in, I'm just going to say no. It's a part of a process and a thoughtful discussion that has to start with goals up front. I have to say that it depends is the, the classic lawyer's answer and probably a good place to wrap up for today. So thank you for joining us. And Elizabeth, thank you for adding your wisdom to the, to the question. Uh, folks, stay tuned. We'll talk about other estate planning and elder law issues. It's Robert Fleming and Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman from Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona estate planning and elder law firm. Thank you for joining us.